And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgie and Gray. How are you, lads? Hello. Yeah, very good. How are you, How? most importantly? Come on. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Um, I'm all right, excluding football. Very nice, thank you. Yeah, we're obviously recording on the 28th of December, so we're past the festivities now. How are, how are your respective Christmas hours? Good, quite chilled to be fair. Is it my mum's on Christmas Day and then my dad's on Boxing Day? But what day of the week is it now? Who knows? It's still the silly season. It could be fucking. Is it a Wednesday? It could already be 2024 for I know and I'm late for work. Who the fuck knows <laughs> right now? <laughs> it's mad that, isn't it? How they all just blur into one and I'm constantly asking, what day is it today? <laughs> Around this time of year? It's absolutely mental. Uh, well, that sounds nice. You're forgetting Christmas Eve as well, which will probably come on to but gray how was your christmas you've been away right yeah went down to the in-laws so it's been quite a busy one but it's been good to yeah, spend time with them good to miss the christmas eve antics but i'll just mm. be very jealous and envious that i wasn't there well, it was arguably better without you to be honest hodge i'm sure you probably agree i love you guys too by the way <laughs> <laughs> christmas is probably our biggest night of the year where we all come together back in newcastle but we had a good one we're in dabawal in jesmond having an indian feast to line the stomachs and then off to our locals and ended up in holy hobo as is tradition as we're far too old to be in that place with santa on his way shout out james but yeah it was very nice and of course you wake up feeling dead rough on christmas morning which is excellent got to get a hair of the dog in there to bring you back up to speed but Yes, very nice. Lots of family and friends. Hope you all listening at home had a very nice Christmas as well. This is another sense of delaying the inevitable in this episode. <laughs> as the shit run continues for Newcastle United, I think that's what now, seven losses in eight games on the back of our 3-1 home defeat against Nottingham Forest. Chris Wood <laughs> turned into prime Messi, got himself a hat-trick. <laughs> Despite scoring, I think, one goal in 20 games for us at St. James's Park, which was a penalty. You just knew it was going to happen when you saw his name on the team sheet. But that Nottingham Forest loss followed a 1-0 loss away at Luton Town. So our games on the, the previous podcast, we said, were absolutely must-wins. We've lost quite miserably in the end. 
it doesn't bode well for our next run of games against Liverpool, Man City, Aston Villa, with a massive game against Sunderland. (laughs) Ahead, tied in the middle of that. Yeah, doesn't bode well, does it, Hodge? No, and I think I went comfortable 2-0 against Luton, comfortable 2-0 against (laughs) Forest. And it didn't quite work out like that. Well, some wanker went 6-0 against Nottingham Forest. <laughs> you were definitely tempting fit with that one, Will. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what order we really want to take this in, because it's not, just it's not the it, greatest. Mate. They're both losses. I don't think chronology really works in this one. Yeah. <laughs> the feeling is both the same. Well, two games and four goals scored by ex-NUFC players with Andros Townsend popping up at the back post with a very simple tap-in header against Luton. I think... <sighs> I mean, well, I do think and I don't think at the same time. It's a very complex situation that we're in. Obviously, the injuries, blah, 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 we've covered all this. But the absolute effort on the field, I think, has been very lax. There's only really been one person that's really stood out for me, and that's been young Lewis Miley, who's still got that. I couldn't give a fuck who I'm playing against. I'm just going to play football and play the way that I know, which has been absolutely fantastic and a massive breath of fresh air, to be totally honest. Because I think some of the older heads that have been there for a while, like Miggy, has not been turning up for me. I think he's been very poor these last two games. Hodgie's eyes have lit up in the yeah, last couple yeah. of matches. <laughs> I'm ready to Miggy's go on this one, yeah. I need to get that. I should have asked for that doll for Christmas so I can just poke pins in a big... <laughs> yeah. And I think Longstaff just hasn't been there. Gordon is trying, Isaac is kind of trying, but I feel that they're running a little bit slower. I think they're probably holding some injury that they've kind of been taught to play through at the minute. Burn, I mean, the last two games has not been fantastic. Unlucky to lose Lascelles because I think he's actually been quite good and it's obviously not really worked out with bringing Botman back who I think is also struggling with a bit of injury. I don't know what you guys think or what you guys have seen but for me that's kind of the crux of the matter right now. Just need a bit of a shake-up really. For me I completely agree. I think there's been some interesting calls in terms of tactical decisions and who starts when in the last couple of games. I think, like you say, it's great to have Botman back but... Again, feel like you might be coming back a bit too soon. Like I say, he just seems to be a little bit slow. And like, yes, we've tried to ease him in the best we can, but given LaSalle's injury, I think hands are pretty tied there. But then we do have plenty of backup. Like you've got the likes of Dummett, who played really, really well in the League Cup. Against City. Yeah, against City, against Man United. And yet he just doesn't seem to be given a chance when we probably need to use these players who we know can put in a shift, but aren't going to set the world alight. And like you say, Isaac Gordon, they just look like they're running in mud at the minute. Like you say, they are just carrying little injuries and things like that. And for me, I don't understand how Dan Byrne gets straight back into the team ahead of Tino, given how well he's played. Is it worth Tino starting at right back and giving Trippy a bit of time on the sidelines, given his current form, his current mindset, especially what he came out and said the other day? I just think there needs to be a bit more awareness of how players are both mentally and physically whoa 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 whoa! so wait you're saying dan Byrne needs to drop to the bench but you're also saying tino needs to come in for trippier so who goes in at left back no no so what i was saying was if dan Byrne's going to start a left back then i think tino should start a right back got you okay i think eddie howe called it out in his post-match interview against forrest didn't he that he'd got it wrong i think in the last podcast when i was a little angrier than I am now. I think I've come to peace with it a little bit now. <laughs> I'd been vehemently adamant that he'd got his game management wrong against Chelsea in particular. He's called it out against Forrest. I think you two have touched on the cruxes of the issue, which is 
he got his team lineup wrong against Nottingham Forest. It was good to see Isaac start and Isaac popped up. You know, he won the penalty and he got himself a goal. We should have just steamed on from that point to a 6-0 victory, but alas, wasn't meant to be. But yeah, the form he's in, and I've had a lot of people say to me over the last few days, it's how has this strange loyalty towards people like Miggy and Dan Byrne? And I know Dan Byrne has been a great servant for us, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But when you've got someone who's in form, you play someone who's in form. Tino's been excellent, whether it's been right back, left back or right wing. He should have started ahead of either Miggy or Dan Byrne against Forest, And I feel the game would have been a different issue because where we really struggled against Forest was when they were catching us on the counter. And Alanga had the game of his life against us coming up against Dan Byrne on what is the Nottingham Forest right-hand side. He had him on toast. And two or three, I think two of their goals came from, no, all of their goals came from counters, didn't they? Yeah. Where they just caught us and we just had absolutely our pants around our ankles. We've gone from the best defence in the Premier League last season to looking really, really shaky now, not being able to defend set pieces, i.e. against Luton, and then being caught three times on the counter-attack and letting Chris Wood turn you inside out and put you on your ass. It, it, it just... I've gone from we absolutely need a right winger, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, Hodge, to now we really need some form of solid reinforcement in that back line. And the next question is, why isn't Lewis Hall getting a chance in the team? Or do we think that'll change going into our next few games, given Burns' performance against Nottingham Forest? I think Lewis Hall's a, a funny one. I think he's obviously been brought in as a bit of cover and potentially one for the future. But I think it's kind of similar position to how Gordon found himself after we signed him in January, not probably being quite up to the standards which Eddie Howe expects. And for him to kind of walk into a starting eleven or to be given a chance, being a professional athlete, you've been at the club for almost four months, if not a little bit longer. You'd think that fitness level, those requirements should have been met by now. But clearly there must be something fundamentally wrong, whether it's something technical, which Howe's not a fan of, or something physical. I don't know. For me, I'm very surprised he's not getting more minutes. I think he's had good games and he's had, but he was excellent against Man United when we thrashed them 3 0 away in the league. I think he was unfortunate against Dortmund, but then we have to take into account he's an 18 year old lad and these are absolutely massive games. I think there are games where he's been lacking a little bit, but probably done enough to get more of a chance in the team. And you have to caveat everything with he's 18 years old, da 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 da. Miley's 17 years old and he's a, an absolute nailed on starter at the minute. So for me, it's either he needs to put more trust in him or he needs to ship him back to Chelsea. Yeah, I kind of also feel like Miley's done really well, but he's got four players, if not six players behind him. I get that. Where Lewis Hall at left back, if he makes a mistake, you look at Trippier, he's made three mistakes, three goals. Like if Hall does the same, then yeah, we're probably going to be more likely to be punished. But then also I read the other day that Hall would prefer to play in midfield than at left back. I don't know if there's something where he's not overly keen to play at left back, but you're a professional footballer, you should just play where you're put. You should be proud to be playing football. It's like bingo, this. It's like, we should have a TOTT bingo. <laughs> he's a professional footballer gets full house from Gray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I say that every week about someone. You do. <laughs> you do indeed. Did you have another point? Not on Lewis Hall, but I mean, we've, we criticise the defence, but I'm also worried that we're not scoring goals and... 
I mean, I probably sound like a broken record, but just not clinical enough when, with the chances we get. I mean, we've got concerns all over the pitch for me. I mean, we look back beating Sheffield, was it 8-0? And you just think, we can't see us scoring eight goals in a month now. Was it eight or was it nine? I don't know. It was close to 10. It might have been <laughs> nine. It, it was 8-0. You're right. You're right, Gray. Yeah, I think the closest Miggy came to scoring a goal was an own goal. I don't know if you remember against Nottingham Forest, what the fuck he was trying to do there. Thankfully, there was a Sheffield United player in the way to block it. <laughs> Clear just, off the line. Yeah, how are we even saying this? This is absolutely mental. Um, but Hodge, Gray's, I think, touched on a really important point there. We get ourselves into good positions, but it seems like we get to the edge of the opponent's box and we just absolutely panic and we're choosing the wrong option every time. It's falling to Miggy, where if we had someone with a right foot, he'd be you know smashing it across goal for someone like Isaac or Wilson to to put it in. But we're getting to these attacking positions, particularly on the left and the right with Gordon and Miggy, and we're just not making anything happen. It seems like all the confidence has gone in that final decision making process. Yeah, I think everything is just slow. It might be part of the tactics, and it's also partly players' fault. I think as well. I'll touch on the Miggy thing. That was never the tactics last season, though, was it? Just to, no, no. Just, we, were, we were always a quick team. 100%. And I think our, our tactic last season was we're going to absolutely bombard you for the first 25 minutes and not give up until we put the ball in the back of the net. Whereas, yeah. well, I'll start with the ta- that tactic then now. It just seems very slow. Like the last two games, we've had 66% possession and 62% possession with like wow. way more passes than the other team. Like I'm talking nearly double. We can't break teams down. We don't have the ability to break teams down. And what teams have done now is just started to get back deeper, quicker, so that it can just completely nullify it. Yes, obviously you can blame fucking not having injuries on being able to shake it up and stuff. But the thing that I've noticed as well is when we do try and counter, it's not quick enough. It's nowhere near quick enough. One of the main points is, and I'll pick this up as you're going to be surprised here when I say his name, Miguel Almiron. Oh my God. He gets the ball and if you can't cut in, he goes left foot, takes it a little bit forward, cuts left foot again back to the towards the line, and then goes backwards. So he takes three touches to go back. Too many. To touches. then pass it across. By that time, our players have overran him. They have managed to get people back, and then we start the whole process of well, we can't break someone down again. If we had someone who had half a right foot, even like on the other opposite side with Gordon, Gordon does put crosses in with both feet, like. He gives it a go, whereas Miggy just gets there and just panics and goes, uh, and then turns around. Like, I just want him to see him just try and whip balls in. It doesn't have to be a competent, yeah. nicely lofted cross. Fire it in there, cause the defence some problems and make our strikers work for their fucking wage every week. That's what I want to yeah. see. I don't know what it is with Miggy. Obviously, how must see this, but week in, week out, I'd much rather see Tino play there because Tino tries with both of his feet and he's predominantly more right-footed as well. So he's going to be able to push his speed to that byline and cut something back. They're the dangerous balls, and we just don't have that in the locker right now. And there were so many times against Luton and Forrest that we could have done it. And we could have also done it against AC Milan a couple of times. Like In terms of player choices, Miggy's not the right one now to start. Yes, bring him on later in the game when he's probably going to be running against tired legs. I think he'll probably do really well. But what we're starting with and how we're playing, it just seems very, very slow and quite lax at the minute. Yes, we've got a probably play a little bit more like that and make the ball do a bit more running and try and make them do a bit more running because of the kind of shoestring club that we are right now with in terms of injuries. But when January comes around and we're going to get people back like Barnes end of January, Joe Willick's looking back at the 13th of Jan, Elliot Anderson might be back on the 13th of Jan and then Jacob Murphy as well. So like 
there's going to be a bit more depth. We need to then kick on. I think January, majority of it is going to be pretty much a write-off. Yeah, We'll get to the score predictions for the Liverpool and Man City game shortly. But for me, that's where we're at now. It's too slow and we're, doing, we're not really making the, the correct personnel changes or starting positions mm. at the minute. That's that rant over. Done. Done. Yeah. Someone else take over. I never thought we'd be missing Jacob Murphy, but I think we really are. Just gives us a totally different option, doesn't he? Yeah. He's not afraid to to run it, but also put those really dangerous balls in the box. And he has mm. got a really good right foot on him. Gives us a different dynamic. I'm not saying he's the answer. He does what Miggy should do. It doesn't matter if you're left or right footed. You just fire the ball across the goal at first chance of asking, put it in a danger area. Who knows? It could ricochet off someone. You could get lucky. doesn't matter if it goes out for a corner eight times out of 10. Those two times you could get a chance from it. Yeah, this is yeah. what I mean. He gives us a different option and he's he's quite a brave player in terms of his choices. Whereas Miggy, I feel panics in these big situations quite a lot. I think another interesting thing is, you know, how has tried to change it up previously, but it almost feels like, again, I'm going to use that term, his head's gone a little bit, you know, after the, in the Luton game, he obviously takes Miley off very early and replaces him with Isaac. He is making changes in game, but it just feels like they're the wrong changes, they're the wrong choices. How is Longstaff staying on the pitch over Lewis Miley? Lewis Miley, honestly, for me a few weeks ago, kind of saying he needed to add that little clinical touch, that going back, going forward. He needed to add something to his game. He got another kind of pre-assist I guess you call it when he slotted it in to Isaac who wins the the penalty which is another great pass the lad is is excellent he makes space for himself he's really comfortable on the ball he's like a laser guided missile with his passing admittedly most of it sideways and backwards but he's really really competent on the ball and he's definitely been our best player over the last couple of games which is um, kind of embarrassing for the rest of a lot of them but he took him off against Luton. I don't think that was the right choice. And I, I think Longstaff is doing well to play as much as he is at the minute. Obviously, we've got injuries, whatnot, but he got taken off against Forrest, which was the right thing to do. Joe Linton brought on, but he did not look happy coming off the pitch. When you were around me house the other day watching the Luton game, I think we were just like, <laughs> every two seconds, be like, why the fuck isn't Miggy getting dragged off? Why the fuck isn't Longstaff getting dragged off? They're not even there. Yeah. And it's clear enough for people who aren't coaches to see surely that it must be playing on his mind being like there's got to be limited time for those two like I think yeah it's been a bit of a fall from grace for, yeah. for long stuff isn't it? it I think ever since he got injured he's not come back the same player and let's hope he can pick it up a little bit but it's kind of embarrassing to be honest the, these last two games we've been made to look like absolute fools we've been played off the park by two teams that are struggling my dad actually made a what I think is a, is a decent point for once. You were saying what we have to consider, and this isn't any kind of you know excuse, but these two teams are playing for kind of their Premier League lives, aren't they? Mm. Luton, they're really playing for something. They're playing to stay up. Nottingham Forest have got a new manager in. Got that new manager bounce back. Of course they do. Sunderland have just got a new manager, so they'll probably have their new manager bounce back too against us on the 6th of Jan. But they're actually playing for something. Whereas it feels like we're maybe getting a little bit complacent now. The form's obviously going in the wrong direction. We've come out the cup. We've come out the Champions League. It's like, what do we have to play for now? Almost in their heads. I'm not, this isn't my opinion. This is kind of hypothesis as to what they might be thinking. Like they just seem like they're stuck in a bit of a middle ground rut and they need something to play for and they need to get their motivation, their spark back, all that shithousery, you know, when they're going around Bruno's waving his arms around in the stadium and 
Anthony Gordon's putting massive tackles in and then, you know, flapping his arms around. We need some of that back, which is desperately lacking at the minute. That's a really good point. Luton in particular, looking at their results after Everton went ahead of them and dropped them into the relegation zone of being a really strong team, especially at home. You saw them take Arsenal down to the wire and had a really good game against us, obviously beating us. But I think in terms of us, do you think there might be part of the mindset and mentality of our players having gone out of the Champions League early that, shit, that's a lot of football, that's really intense. Do we want to be pushing for that again next year? Bruno's always coming out saying, oh, I want to play the best, I want to play Champions League football. But I don't know, something just seems to have happened after that AC Milan game, even at home where the players just don't seem to have as much fight, like you say, pumping the crowd up, putting those big tackles in. Do we want to have a year off and then go at it again next year as opposed to doing it this year? I don't think we can afford to. The the problem is when you set standards like we have and you bring in Champions League ready players, I'm always nervous that you're going to lose them if you don't maintain that European run. The players like Isaac, Guimaraes, Botman, they're Champions League ready players and they're not going to hang around middle of the table mediocrity. I saw another point on Twitter actually, which is it feels like the crowd is, and we can't blame it on the fans, like we're all feeling it, but it's not our responsibility for those players to perform on the pitch. They don't depend on us in all of lockdown when we we're going through COVID. There was no crowds there and players were playing. We are the 12th man, we are the best fans in the league, etc., etc. But people on Twitter blaming the atmosphere at St. James's. Yes, it could be better, but someone made a really good point that it almost feels like people are afraid to boo. You know, they're they're afraid to get on the backs of players because Howe's built up so much equity with the team and, you know, Champions League was such a fantastic season last season, but it almost feels like people are afraid to get on the players' backs now because we've had such a positive couple of seasons. I mean, you say it's not our responsibility for the players to play well, but it is our responsibility to support them through the tough times. It's certainly not our responsibility to walk out of the stadium after 80 minutes when so many other people want tickets. And for me, I think that's quite embarrassing to be supposedly one of the top support groups in the world, probably. I am going to challenge this. You carry on, but I'm going to challenge this. You can tell in the stadium that the atmosphere just isn't the same. You can compare it to probably one of the best nights ever in the stadium against PSG and the noise that we're making there. It's never going to reach that level again, probably for a long time. But we should be there making noise. Teams should be intimidated to come here. But when you're hearing the away fans more often than you're hearing the home fans, there is something wrong there. But I do agree that we shouldn't be afraid to get on the back of players if they aren't performing. Just on your point that, that people shouldn't be leaving after 80 minutes. When we're getting thumped 3-1, thumped, I should add, 3-1 against Nottingham Forest and you've had enough and we're on the back of seven losses in eight games, I have absolutely no problem with people trying to get out of the stadium, beat the traffic and try and get home. Beat the traffic. Yeah, yeah, it's always the excuse, isn't it? People are paying now very, very good money to go and watch the match. I think there's fundamental flaws with the balloting system and the ticketing system, which could be contributing to the atmosphere. But I think people are well in their rights if they're not enjoying it. It's, it's like being strapped down. It's like Clockwork Orange, you know, when he's strapped down to the... Ch- it's probably another film reference that you two aren't going to fucking get. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've read the book, actually. So. Uh, have you? Nice. Well, yeah, he's strapped down to a chair and his eyes are kind of like 
forcibly kept open and he has to watch this horrible show. It's a bit like that, you know, is that the alternative? No, absolutely. If they're not having a nice time, they've paid good money to be there and they want to fuck off. They're well within their rights to fuck off when the players aren't performing for them. We pay the players wages in all our different ways, buying shirts, buying tickets, season tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Fucking rights, they should be putting on a good performance for us. I think there's a maybe a bit of a disconnect between your and I opinion there, Gray, but I'm still of the opinion if you're two goals down with 10 minutes to play, it, it is possible to turn it around, like, especially at home. Yeah, but look at the way the game had been playing out. I know, but like a couple of, a couple of changes, like I think we had made all our changes by that point. So I think, like you say, I think the game was over, but I would prefer that our fan base get behind them for the last five minutes to show them that support and see what we can do instead of effectively turning their backs with 10 minutes of football to play. Personally, I find that really disappointing. Indeed. Right, we'll go to a quick break now and then we'll come back with maybe a bit of January transfer speculation and unfortunately have to talk about our upcoming run of fixtures. So we'll see you in a second. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, we're back. So we've talked about the issues. Let's talk about the fixes now. I feel like we may be putting too much of an emphasis on we need to buy all the players in the world to try and fix this problem. But I think how was asked that question directly, does the fix need to come from within the squad or do you need to add players? And he said it always needs to come from within the squad, which I think he's totally right. These players have shown they're capable of performing at the highest level. So we absolutely need to give ourselves a bit of a rejig, but we also need to reinforce the ranks, in my opinion. The most important areas for me certainly are like right wing. I've come more to the idea of a number six holding midfielder. I don't think Dubs has been very convincing over the last few games. So De Gea is looking a little more um, appetizing now, as well as maybe some striking cover. The rumors are really starting to build around Calvin Phillips coming in on loan from Man City. I think personally, it's quite a low risk move for us. If it's a loan move, he does play a position that we are desperately calling out for and has performed excellently previously. He's not had the game time at City, but for England, he's performed really well. And from his time at Leeds, has performed really well, which obviously got him the move to Man City. What are your thoughts on Calvin Phillips? Low risk, especially if it's only for a loan. How much fight is he going to bring? We'll see. I think he probably will bring some because obviously he wants to be playing first team football. It's been quite known that he wants to try and get into Pep's plans, but lack of minutes is the worrying thing for me there. But I do agree with you. I think getting a an out and out number six is probably quite key at the minute, especially to try and sure up. I think, yeah, 
number six and a, and a right winger are my top two. And then if I was going to pick a third, it would be out and out left back for me as well. Any ideas on right winger? I don't think we have been linked with anyone concretely. If that's fucking a word, I bottled it halfway through. But <laughs> I mean, if it's not an exact player, is it we need a player like this for you? Anyone that's performing at the minute that you would like to see a similar player come into Newcastle and do a job? Probably Elanga after uh, <laughs> after the yeah. Forest game. Yeah. yeah, I still think we need someone quick. I don't think it's going to solve our problems having someone who is a a slow, older player, maybe. I think we need to strengthen our counter and having that extra speed, but with just a, a half-solid right foot, even if he's mostly left-footed, it doesn't matter to me because I know how Eddie likes to play those inverted wingers. But yeah, I think Elanga's probably not a bad shout, to be fair, because he is quick, he's direct, he thrives on that kind of counter. He will drive that byline, but also likes to come in and can play kind of key passes as well. So, yeah, so you could probably get him for, for fairly... Well, he's on loan, isn't he, from Manu at the minute, I think. No, they bought him, actually. Oh, they bought him, they, they? bought him for like 25 mil. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's certainly having a very good run of form. And I was going to say the same, actually. You don't want recency bias to affect your decision or what you think, but no, I think no. a player like him or a player like that Noni Madueke yep. from Chelsea as well, like a, a really quick young winger that's going to want to come in and, and impress mm. is exactly the kind of player that we need to to bring in but has a bit of prem experience as well yeah a couple of the names that i think would be quite good adrian rabwa i think he's quite a decent player we'll probably take him for a defensive left back position and then uh is it danny oh, you've been doing your research haven't you danny caballos as well who was playing for arsenal i think at one point yeah real madrid arsenal on loan i think it was He's not in the main kind of plans there at Real Madrid and he's probably a decent central midfielder where we can, well, more defensive focused central midfielder where he has played in the Prem, he's got experience. I think he had about 50 games roughly for Arsenal in the Prem. So it's not like someone's going to come in and be like, holy shit, this is not what I expected. He's got some previous with the league, which will help us and a bit of experience. But again, that would probably just be a loan sign, I think, for us. 27, I think he is. Yeah, he is, yeah. Gray, did you want to come in on any of the kind of positions you feel we need to reinforce? Yeah, I was just going to throw a name in at left back. Like I was really impressed with Robinson at Fulham. Yeah. Just as a slightly left field chat, he was super quick, loved the overlap. And I think he would just give us just something different down that left-hand side, which I think would be really useful and probably is a realistic signing. Whether he's first team quality for Champions League or going forwards, I don't know. But I just think he's, the pace that he would bring down that side would be huge. American, isn't he? Yeah. Antoine? Anthony Robinson. Anthony, I think he's yeah. one of these ones that speaks like he's from South London as opposed to Alabama. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. Like Isaac. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I think it's a good shout, Grain. I think we have been rumoured with Anthony Robinson previously and he did look really good against us despite us thrashing 10-man Fulham 3-0. I think Man City have also been interested in Anthony Robinson previously. The, the rumours haven't been too thick and fast at the minute. I wish we had more to talk about, but I don't know if it's a kind of player we'd want, but I know we talked about him a few weeks ago when he was scoring all those goals, but Scott McTominay, and it could be rogue, and I could get shouted out by everyone listening <laughs> at home for this one, but I feel like he's been a real star performer for a really shit Man United team. And I feel like he could do a job for us. Like he's decent going forward. He is a holding midfielder by trade, but also plays centre half for Scotland. Seems like, again, he wouldn't be that much money in it because it feels like Ten Hag wants to get rid of him. And it feels like, again, we say this about everyone, he is an Eddie Howe type player who he could really take to the next level. I quite like the look of that rumour. 
but I very much doubt it'll happen. The position they're in and kind of McTominay's loyalty to to Man United. Bray, what do you think? Yeah, I think he'd be certainly a very good signing. And I think there actually could be an opportunity there given the partial takeover going through. It'd be interesting to see how that shakes things up. I know it's only 25%. So the Glazers still have the final say on things. But apparently Ineos and Jim Ratcliffe have to have a decision on every single transfer and every single mm. backroom move now. I think that's been written into the contract. So they, they will be a massive part of that. So for me, I think there is an opportunity to go and actually if Man United do need to clear the decks, then there could be, which I think they desperately need to, but I'd be surprised if McTominay is one of those players they want to get rid of. What about Jaden Sancho just on that? If we're talking about Man United players, Ganacho as well, as yeah, much as I hate the bloke, he does look very, very dangerous going forward. He was class the other day. They aren't getting rid of him though, are they? No chance. He's yeah. like the jewel in their crown, but... Actually, I hadn't thought about that, but what, what do you think of... They're obviously clearly desperate to get rid of Jaden Sancho. His wages would probably be a big issue, but what would our collective thoughts be on a, a loan move for Sancho until the end of the season? How much of a problem, child, is he? Is it is it him or is it down to the way that he was tripped at the club? Poof. You just don't know, do you, really? I think he was, he was class at Dortmund, never really heard anything bad about him while he was there. Obviously got a a big money move away, which Dortmund, I think, were quite happy to see the transfer coming. Mm. But he's not going to want to drop his wages too much, which is going to be probably a problem for us on our FFP loan. What's going to happen there? Loan, Are we gonna, is it going to be yeah. like a you pay 50, we pay 50% on that? That's what like, I'm thinking. I don't know. It would, be, I think it would be, on paper, yes, way better than what we have. But is it going to be the one that rocks the boat too much and then we have a problem, child, here we go, well... Okay, thanks for two games. We're going to send you back to Man United, and Man, you go. No, no, you've got to keep him. <laughs> We're actually quite fine over here. Cheers. Um, yeah, tricky one. Tricky one. He plays on the left, though, doesn't he? Do you think we need another left winger, given the players we've got coming back from injury and the fact that Isaac, look for me, looks far more dangerous out on the left than he does down the middle. Probably not. I thought he played on the right, but if that's the case, then yeah, it's not a risk probably worth taking. After all the furore around Ruben Neves, it seems to have gone a little bit quiet on that front. Do we think Ruben Neves is a realistic option coming in on loan? He's come out and said that it'd be an absolute dream to move to Newcastle, but then he's come out and said that he wants to stay at is it Al Ali, whichever club he's at currently. Again, would you like to see us pursue that one as that kind of holding, commanding midfielder with, with a bit of Prem experience? It feels like a good fit for me and very low risk. I'll toss a coin between him and Phillips, personally. I think I'm not interested in any player who's gone to Saudi for a big money move. Their mentality is completely wrong if they're just in it for the money. So that's where I prefer to go for someone like Phillips who is willing to fight for his place. He says that as someone who's just changed jobs and is talking about getting a 25% pay rate. (laughs) If you had the option to fuck off to Saudi and get a million pounds a week, let's say. But these are people who are already being paid extremely well and doing a job they should love to do. Like They're very privileged to be earning tens of thousands a week. Most of us would dream to be earning tens of thousands a week playing football. When you're earning that much money, what's the difference between... 80,000 and 200,000. How can you physically spend 200,000 pounds a week? Tax free over there if you stay there for two years. You get all your tax back. So that's a big pull in it. But we're talking <laughs> 80,000 a week. Yes, you're coming out with 40,000 pounds a week. 
Oh no, I, I, I still think they go right. criminally overpaid. But if someone said to you, like Ray's point before, I'm going to double your wage, and then if you work for me for two years, I'll give you all your tax back. I'd be like, say less. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Gray's off to <laughs> Saudi after you heard that. <laughs> currently searching LinkedIn for jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you've been at the new one about a week. It's about time you had a change now. <laughs> <laughs> if it's there and it's low risk and it's cheap as fuck, we might as well take it, right? He's a star performer for Wolves, has been a really good performer in the Premier League for a long time and fills a gap that we desperately need filling for the run-in to the end of the season. Yeah, I think it would be a good show. It's a toss-up between him and Phillips. I think all the uh, sandwich shop owners in Newcastle would prefer Ruben just to do Ruben sandwiches. I think they'll go through the roof. You know how many Castle fans are. Or he's got the same name as this sandwich. I'll have that. Imagine Greg's launching a Ruben sandwich. Yeah, the Ruben <laughs> sausage roll. <laughs> I don't know how your brain works sometimes, Hodge. Honestly, we've gone for talking about Ruben never has a sandwich. I swear I've got ADHD. I just haven't been diagnosed yet. Like... <laughs> Stop diagnosing yourself. Um, right. So I think that, that pretty much covers it. And then I guess the last one would be Dubs hasn't looked the most convincing over the last few games. I think he's made some good saves, but a lot of people have been calling out his lack of ability to kind of control the box and control the back four and really be that commanding presence. Do you think we'd get that with a David De Gea, Hodge? Is he an answer to some of our questions over the next few months while Nick Pope is out? Old ahead, he's been there, done that. But if it's a loan again, how much is he going to give a fuck if he hasn't been paid for a bit? Like he's been out. It the wouldn't book. be a loan because he's free transfer. Yeah, it's free agent. Oh well, yeah, but he's not going to be. He's not going to be here for a long time, is he? How much of his head's actually going to get in there? Like, I, I don't know. There's probably better options we could explore, but for De Gea himself, ugh, like, I don't know. There's there's a couple of red flags in there that I'm just not too comfortable of uh, sitting on, really. Yeah, and if you're also talking about a goalkeeper who wants to come and command his box. Man United never really struck me as that goalkeeper. Yes, he's an incredible shot stopper and distributive, but I don't see him being that commanding. But yeah, he is a world-class goalkeeper, but there's got to be something wrong for him to be out of contract for as long as he has been. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying, isn't it? Why hasn't he gone to Saudi? Well, indeed. <laughs> Maybe he's got a bit more integrity than Gray. <laughs> right, okay. I think that just about does it. Um, interesting to see what happens over the next few days as the transfer market opens. Let's hope and cross our fingers and tours for some reinforcements fairly quickly. But let's do our predictions, or as Hodgie would say, our predictions for our New Year's Day fixture away at Anfield against Liverpool. Feeling optimistic for this one, Gray? No. No, I didn't think you would be. <laughs> Yeah, going to Anfield, it never bodes well for us. So, no. predictions, I hate to say it, but I think we could be on the receiving end of a few goals and probably, I really don't want to say it, but 4 nil. Wow, to Newcastle? No. <laughs> All right, sorry. I may just put 4 nil on just in case, because I know we've stranger things have happened. Well, how are you going to follow that one, Hodge? I think we're going to get taught a lesson and I also think 4-0 is on the cards for this match. Two 4 nilers. Well, is 8 nil on aggregate. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'm going to go for a... 3-0 loss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be a two-goal difference. I think we'll pop up with a late consolation goal, so we'll say 3-1 to Liverpool. Yay! Yay! Woohoo! Go Newcastle. Can't wait to watch that one. 
Well, let's hope they surprise us. As we said, 6-0 for fucking Nottingham Forest and they beat us 3-1. Let's hope our luck tilts on its heed. Right, so fingers crossed we don't get spanked too heavily against Liverpool, but I feel like it could be a pretty miserable day. The misery continues. I guess all that leaves us to do now is say thank you all very much for listening. Enjoy your New Year's Eves, wherever you may be in the world. And I guess we will see you in the next year. <laughs> see what I did there instead of a podcast next year. Oh, you put it on you. Yeah, see you in 2024. Bye, everyone. Bye bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, me lads. You should have seen us coming. Passing the folks along the road. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.